Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss. Hi, everybody. And each week we celebrate and we commiserate with best-selling authors, parenting experts, and moms around the world. No new mother ever needs to think of herself as a, look, oh, I failed at this. I failed at this. Just get, like, that's something that I say new moms don't say. And for the birth experience, you know, you got to let go and think it's not a failure if the outcome is a healthy baby. It's not a failure if the outcome is, you know, emotionally and mentally sound mother. It's not a failure, even though it might not be the way you intended. Everyone, spring has sprung and so has my belly. This weekend was our preschool auction. The theme was 1980s. Our school takes the theme very seriously. So I was Princess Diana, and I got to rock a tiara and also the most ridiculous maternity dress ever. Y'all, I am so glad that we are not pregnant in the 80s like uh, a lot of our mothers were. This dress was a really good channeling of Princess Diana. And like, I can't believe anyone ever had to wear it. It was like a huge tent with a pussy bow. But you know, the fake diamond earrings and the tiara, you know, that made me feel fabulous. And it's important to feel fabulous when you're pregnant and a new mother. And that is why I am introducing this episode with the fab mom, Jill Simonian. And so she's going to talk to us about being fabulous. She's interviewed every celebrity ever. Uh, She was a correspondent for CNN Entertainment and HLN's Showbiz Tonight. She runs the website thefabmom.com, and she also has a weekly fab mom segment on CBS Los Angeles. So we're going to jump into, like, what fab means, F-A-B, and, uh, oh, I know your wheels are turning, trying to figure it out. And we're here to discuss her new book, The Fab Mom's Guide, How to Get Over the Bump and Bounce Back Fast After Baby. So the book is about developing resilience, confidence, and motivation in the first year of motherhood. And those of you who are way out of diaper years, uh, I know there are a lot of you. So is Jill, by the way. I am incredibly jealous, and I want you to know that this is still a fun episode for you. And in this book, uh, besides the serious topics that she tackles, My favorite part about the book is that there are all these fantastic tips from celebrities that she's interviewed in the past. It felt like I was reading InStyle Magazine for pregnant women, like at certain sections of this book, uh, which was really, really fun and is why I am wearing bronzer right now and all black and I'm feeling pretty darn sexy. So please leave a review on iTunes.com backslash Atomic Moms. Um, I give that transition like a C minus. But go ahead and do it. If you've listened to a few of these episodes, just please leave us a review. It helps with our ranking, which means new moms can find us. Plus, I love the pat on the back. Um, And by the way, on social media, on our Facebook page, Atomic Moms, and on Instagram, I love hearing from you all. And it's so much fun when you write about, you know, a moment in the podcast that resonated with you or that you thought was funny, basically – I am five months pregnant and running after a toddler, and I I take my kicks wherever I can get them. 
although I have been staying up at night now with kicks, which is pretty exciting, I'd like to introduce you all to the fab mom, Jill Simonian. We'll be right back. Jill, I want to ask you first, uh, what's the most surprising way motherhood has changed you? Oh, my goodness. I feel more confident. And that is so freaky because I was petrified. Petrified? I mean, you read in the book. I was petrified about becoming a mother. The whole thing became, you know, came very unexpectedly, even though I know how babies are made. But I was so (laughs) scared. (laughs) I was so scared to become a mom. And, uh, but I found though that after I, you know, with my first baby, I sort of like, I called it like I manned up, I mommed up and was like, okay, this is my job. I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure this out. I'm not going to freak that I've never held a baby before. I'm not going to yeah. worry about all this you stuff. You and I share that in common, by yeah. the way. It was very refreshing to read about the fact that you were not baby crazy Thank pre-motherhood. You. I was the opposite of baby crazy. Yeah, like people thought, things were wrong with me that I was so nervous about having a kid. But but after the baby, I became so much more confident because I realized, okay, I'm in charge of something. And if I don't do this, no one else is going to do this. So I better believe in myself and figure this out and go for it. So it made me confident. And your second child was also a surprise? Yes. I I, <laughs> I, I have no excuses for this. <laughs> what, is it antibiotics? What? No. I Honestly, I don't. You know what I think happened was there was a, I mean, if you want to get like biological and technical about it, there was a, there was a lapse in the, um, the, when I was taking the pill. Yeah. And I just, I wasn't thinking. But yeah, I felt not when my first daughter was nine months old or eight months old, eight months old, nine months old, I can't remember. I was in, stuck in the bathroom at one of my very best friend's baby showers, vomiting because I had had literally one sip of a mimosa and I, it just something, you know, it's like the second I took that sip at my, at the baby shower, I go, oh my gosh, I got to go to the bathroom. And I'm in the bathroom vomiting. And my sister busts in and goes, what is wrong with you? You're pregnant again, aren't you? Uh, and I was like, no, I missed the whole baby shower. And then afterwards, everyone was like, yeah, Jill, you were like, you found out you were pregnant at so-and-so's baby shower. <laughs> Which, by the way, is such a brutal miracle yeah. to like to be, to have a nine-month-old and be like, oh, here we go again. Yes, I know. But the, I'll tell you the irony. I was much more, and I, I will say this, like I am, so, I, every day, I, I know how lucky I was. He's like, oh, this idiot got pregnant accidentally. It was so easy, you know, especially when a lot of my friends and everyone, you know, go through things to get right. pregnant. So I know how lucky I am. But, um, but the second time around, I was much more calm about it because I thought, oh, no, I know the drill. I know what I'm getting. I know how it's going to go. So this is cool. Whereas the first time, it was totally unknown. Okay, so your eldest is six, and so you were parenting before Instagram, Mm -hmm. like, took over. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you could, because you're constantly in the media, I'm wondering if you could sort of uh, give us your take on what social media has done to mommy brains. Oh, my gosh. There's so much. It's I have, I tell everybody, I honestly have this love-hate relationship with social media, and I probably shouldn't say that because I'm on it all the time. <laughs> you know, it's like it's part it's it's really fun. And it's part of our, you know, you and I both, it's part of our work world. And then it's part of our personal life where 
I do find out what's happening with a lot of my friends' kids and everything through our personal, through Instagram. You know, I'll see my Insta- my sister's Instagram and my friend's Instagram. And I'll think, oh, how cute they went there. But it's sort of taken over everything. And I don't know if all of it's for the better. It's great that you get to keep in touch and you get to share pictures. And the pictures look great because you can put all sorts of filters on. You know, everything. It's like life looks so wonderful. But that's, I think that's one of the major problems, too, is that life looks so wonderful all the time. And I mean, we know that's, I mean, that's not real. (laughs) And and you look at, I mean, even me, there's times when I will be scrolling through Instagram and I will see someone do like, you know, the birthday party with this, or like they went here and they looked Mm -hmm. like that. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I just decorated a cake for my daughter's birthday, and I posted it because I was all proud that I stuck right. candy in and everything. But um, but at the same time, you compare yourself, and you think, oh, I missed out on that, or oh, I'm not doing that. And I, and it it I caught like in my book, I talk about how it raises the drama in your own head mm-hmm. a lot of times for like no reason at all, and it gets you feeling anxious for no reason at all when you shouldn't be feeling anxious. I say one of the things in my book is like, get off, you know, get off of social media when you need to. Where do you draw the line with sharing stories about your own children? Like where do you, where do you find the boundary for their privacy as well? That's something that I've been, I've been trying to reconcile that even more because now my daughters are six and five. Whereas, you know, when they're babies, mm-hmm. oh, they're babies. Right. They're, I mean, they're, ba- of course, babies are people, but babies are not people. Babies are babies. You know, you can share stuff about a baby. You can say, oh, they did this. They rolled over. They screamed all day and everyone laughs and it's part of that phase. But then when they get to be, kindergarten was sort of a marker for me. Um, mm. When, now that my daughter's in kindergarten, I feel like, okay, wait a second. This is her life, her privacy. Um, I draw the line in not sharing things that are that could be incriminating towards her in terms of now we know, all want to know what is she yeah, 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 doing that could be incriminating. Well, I'll, I'll give you a th- I'll, here's an example. <laughs> so uh, this is and this is all like I've written about this on my blog and everything. Uh, a few years ago, when she was like two, we were out at a restaurant, and um, and this is just the first example that comes to mind. We were out at a restaurant. And these women were sitting next to us and they, we were chatting and talking and with, you know, with these ladies and they were saying, oh, how cute your daughters are. And I, oh, thank you. And we were talking. And, and one of the women was very, very large. She was a very large woman. She was. You know, um, and my daughter just pointed and goes, mommy, that lady's big. And I died. I was. Oh, my, I mean, this is a two year. I mean, I think she yeah. was like barely two, maybe two and a half. And I died and I just thought, I go, ma'am, I'm so sorry. You know, we're, she's two, we're starting to notice, you know, the differences around us, how people are different. And I did this whole explanation and I shared this and they, you know, the women were lovely. Oh no, don't worry. We hear everything from kids that, you know, we laughed it off, but I died. I mean, I shared that. (laughs) I, I mean, my gosh, wouldn't you? Yeah. But I shared that story on the blog um, cause it was one of those like toddler moments, right. mother, like, how do you deal with that? And I talked about how, what I did and how I made it better. And then how I explained to her certain things. However, when, th- and you know, that was the first and last time she did that. She got it. But, uh, a couple, I would say like six months ago, there was an incident that 
we were all out somewhere and she was having a moment uh-huh. of frustration, anger. She wasn't acting in a certain way. She, you know, she was, she was having like a meltdown. She was having mm-hmm. a tantrum. Um, and at the time she was five and, and I started writing about it on my blog and I went back and I probably edited that thing like five times after I posted it to mm-hmm. go live because there was something that really bothered me. And I thought, I don't know if I should be sharing this. Her teachers shouldn't see this. Right. My friends shouldn't see this. That You know, when she now she's starting to read. What if she goes back and reads this? Because this is a memory that she will remember as a child. And also, and, but it's a memory through your filter. Yes. Which is also interesting. Yes, you're right. Because it's your perspective, not hers. I know. But that's what's getting set in stone. Yes. Uh, last and so after that, I kind of thought, mm, I don't know if I should share this stuff anymore. Right. Yeah. Last week, I had Sabrina on, and she said the phrase poo-poo butt a million times. And <laughs> Sorry for laughing. It's so ridiculous. And... um. And so it was a a conversation with my husband, catching up about my second trimester of pregnancy. And so we were talking about our daughter, uh, Sabrina, who's three and a half. And I interspliced little moments with her um, that I had had in front of the mic. And later I was thinking about, you know, oh, well, maybe I should have said to the listeners, you know, I I did tell her to stop saying that or Mm. why I didn't. You start getting self-conscious about parenting in public or, you know, actually I took out this other section where, Mm -hmm. you know, I said this or that for the sort of the entertainment and comedy of the podcast. But it's, um, but we're not showing, again, sort of like our Instagram lives, we're not showing all of it. You know, there's a lot that's left on the cutting room floor. But that's um, good. And, and it is yeah. good. But it's uh, – I'm cool with sharing that part of her because it's just a funny moment in our lives. Um, but it's it's tricky because I want to share our photos of her on Instagram. The other tricky thing is, like, people like the photos of her on Instagram. You know, yeah. people prefer kids that. They score want, big. Kids <laughs> score big. And so I'm wondering how – you know, now I love that, that you said that. I feel, I love that you said that. <laughs> they do. They do. And it's fun to see. And and I'd rather put up a picture of her than a picture of me, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but it's kind of that constant, yeah, gut check, I guess. What advice would you give to mom bloggers starting out? Because you started your blog pretty soon after your first daughter was born. And that was your way of staying connected to your work life. Mm-hmm. And also to carve out some time for yourself. Yeah. Because you were a stay-at-home mother at that yeah. time, except for these freelance jobs. Yeah. So now, you know, mom bloggers are insane. I mean, it's like a billion-dollar industry. A, yeah, and there's a billion of them. And there's a billion us. of them. Yeah. I mean, that's the other tricky part, right? How do you stand out? So what advice would you give to mom bloggers? Okay, so yeah, just as you said, I started my blog pretty much at the same time that my daughter was born. And um, I I should say I started blogging at the same time she was born because that was like the nap time project to stay Mm -hmm. creative, right? (laughs) Keep my brain engaged, Pat, beyond diapers. Uh, And it was really hard. And the thing that I did, I look back now and I just sort of – I, I simultaneously laugh and am embarrassed <laughs> at what I did because I just started reaching out to 
everybody I could find online. And at that time, this was like in late 2010. So the world, the blogging world, or the I should say like the digital world was mm-hmm. not nearly as expanded as, as it is now. But I would just go online and I would do these Google searches and I would look up mom blogger and digital this, that. The, the word influencer was like, that mm-hmm. wasn't even existed. That didn't even exist yet. But I would find these women who were sort of creating this new space um, and send them emails and introduce myself like a real dingling <laughs> rookie idiot and say, hey, uh, you know, it's like bright eyed and bushy tailed. Hi, I just had my first baby and I'm starting to blog. And but I you used had to, work to have mentioned uh, that I used to work I in used You used to TV car. I, yes. you know, interview celebrities. Yes, and I did that. And so I just introduced myself and say, if you have any opportunities that, you know, mm-hmm. I could write for free or if you're doing video series, video with like video series had just started mm-hmm. to like come up. Oh, yeah. yeah like like just webisodes. Start. Remember webisodes, they used yes. to be called webisodes? Yes. Or mo- uh, what were the mo- it was like Mobisode. My girlfriend, Claire Coffee and I, we won uh, Best Mobisode you Award. Did. Ooh, uh, I like at, it. <laughs> uh, the Independent <laughs> Television Festival in L.A. Probably. Um, probably around 2010. Yeah, so funny. And it, yeah, but, but anyway, yes. But yeah, but I would I would reach out and say, oh, I'm willing to do this and this and this and this for free. And I, that's the biggest advice I can give is that don't be afraid to put yourself out there and reach out and offer to do things for free because that's how you're going to build your presence, mm-hmm. even if it's on Instagram or blogging or I, I anything. I mean, wouldn't you say? Anything yeah. in the digital world, it's about connecting and making, uh, connecting with other people who are established and can sort of uplift you and and teach you through osmosis for sure. <laughs> and and also when you do reach out, have something to offer them, like yes. f- you know, free work or something like that. Yes, because- I know, and it's so sad to say because you know everyone says, <clears throat> oh, you know your value, but right. in order to build your value, so you can be compensated for a webisode or whatever, you have to pay your dues. Yeah. And and to look at it from the perspective of how can I help this other person versus Mm -hmm. just how can they help me? Yes. yes, yes, Which obviously all my Atomic Mom listeners, they're already in that mindset because like (laughs) this is like the most amazing tribe on the planet. My other piece of advice would be, uh, because I can't imagine how many blogs start and just like die away. Um, I've started a few in my lifetime. And, uh, and I'm sure it's the same with podcasts. I can't, I can't imagine how many podcasts survive six episodes and then disappear from the planet. Yeah. And so my piece of advice would be what really gives you butterflies in your stomach? Like what can you sustain? Because it is going to be mostly free labor. Yeah. And, and when your child isn't napping anymore, if you have a sitter, you're considering, okay, this is not free labor anymore. Like this mm-hmm. is costing me you have to, to do pay this for it. Dream. It's costing you yeah. to do this. This podcast dream. costs a lot of money <laughs> for me. But oh. it's what can um what really, really fulfills you. Not chasing after, well, this is what this person does, or the, you know, and I'm not saying don't be smart about it. Like, you know, maybe do look at what's popular because there's probably a reason for that. Mm-hmm. But if you can't find the internal drive for that topic, then uh, just like spend the time napping yourself. It's true. No, you're absolutely right because every that's like the number one. And that's the – you made me think of something when you said that. The number one thing is that 
that we know how much of a grind it is and how exhausting it is to really stay committed to whatever you choose to do. If it's a podcast, if it's a book, if it's a website, if it's an Instagram following mm -hmm. you're trying to build, it takes commitment and it is, it, you get tired of it and you get exhausted and you get, you, you know, you're thinking, what am I doing? I'm not getting, it's not like I'm getting a paycheck in the mail. It's not like, you know, it's like you're, you're building this invisible thing. Mm -hmm. Like you can't even, you can't see what you're building, but consistency is what is, I think the most imperative thing to totally in order to get to wherever you feel like you want to go. And people don't realize what hard work it is. They just think, oh yeah, she just has a podcast or, oh yeah, she just landed on that show. Little do they know you yeah. have been, I mean, you've been building and building this invisible thing for how many years. And then finally you can see the fruition through different. Okay. Know. So seeing yeah. the fruition, oh, let's gosh. talk about your book. Oh, I don't know if it's fruition. <laughs> well, I'm just saying like you've, so you've spent all of this time building. Yes. Uh, this imaginary sandcastle, <laughs> this fort, uh, this empire. And so now you have your first book. Yeah. That's got to feel like a really big deal, especially because you interview a lot of people that are authors. I, yeah. Is it amazing just to, like, I am going to fantasize for one moment, like, yes. just to feel the book in your hands uh -huh. and be like, this is mine. Yes. And I'm getting all weird and weepy now. I don't know if I'm like, I'm looking at you for anyone who's listening. I'm looking at Ellie <laughs> and I'm, my eyes are like getting all watery. Um, that, yeah, totally true. And I'll tell you the thing. I, so yeah, so my book is here and I have the physical copy and the first time that so they what the, what happens is, is that the publisher will send you these advanced copies that are they call them galleys and they're like flimsy little paperbacks and there's mistakes all throughout and you know it's like you flip through it it's a rough copy but it's in the you know it's in the form of a book so they can send it to potential press and everything so when i got the galley i opened the envelope and i like i start i got shaky and weird yeah. and like i kind of so got cool yeah and then I gave it to my daughter. My younger daughter was home with me. The bigger one was at school. And I gave it to my daughter. And I go, look at this. And she goes, it's the fabmommy.com. And I go, oh, my God. And I recorded her. And it's like I posted it on my Facebook page. And mm -hmm. I was so excited. But, yeah, it's a really weird feeling. And the the book itself, like, I I wanted to write a book forever. Back in college, I remember thinking, I want to write a book. But I never knew what it was going to be about. And then the last few years with this, you know, back-to-back -back babies and my website and everything. I thought, okay, well, this is it. Like, this is what I feel most passionate about to actually commit to a book. And it was like the hardest thing I've ever done. I Yeah. And people warned me and I was just, sure. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's hard. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know it's hard. I'm used to working hard. I'm don't worry. This is way beyond. Okay, everybody, when we come back, we're going to hear about the uphill battle for this fab mom. We're going to talk about the F-bomb. We're going to talk about finding childcare. Uh, we're going to get real controversial when it comes to nursing. And I'm going to share a super, super embarrassing story, something that just happened recently with Sabrina. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back with Jill Simonian. So, Jill, 
Tell us a little bit about writing the Fab Mom's Guide, how to get over the bump and bounce back fast after baby. Such a crazy title, right? Is it's it like long? longer. Like I like I should have taken more of a breath before I said the subtitle. <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to name it the Fab Mom's Guide, How to Bounce Back Fast After Baby. But then a couple of people said, no, you need the how to get over the bump because oh, yeah. that's the whole anti-drama hard part. That's what the book addresses, the whole lifestyle change after becoming a mom and the weird feelings and, you know, things you go through in your mind and how to sort of overcome those, the bumpy parts mm-hmm. for first-time moms. I got to say, when I first read that subtitle about Bounce Back Fast, I had a knee-jerk reaction of like, no, that's not what Atomic Moms is about. And I agree with you. Because I initially read that as Bounce Back, you know, just physically. Mm-hmm. But you mean reclaim your life. And I love that you use the word resilience yes. so often in the book. I mean, everyone, we all, I mean, in Los Angeles, you know, anywhere, anyone always, everyone always hears the words bounce back and you immediately think, oh my gosh, it's weight loss. It's a body, but yeah, it's had a little bit. Just like eat yeah, celery. But then, no, no. <laughs> but my bounce back is more, I call it like for the whole book, it's more of a mind and spirit thing. And then with the body thrown into, because that's part of it. But yeah, it's mostly mental and like getting yourself in that mental place to be able to take care of yourself so that the physical comes back and mm-hmm. the emotional, you know, levels out and all that. Now that your daughters are five and six, was it a wild ride to go back into your memory of what it was like to give birth? Yes. And what's it like to have, because I'm about to give birth again. I know. <laughs> what's it like to have that sort of space and distance between um being in the trenches and then being now able to reflect back on it to give the rest of us some uh, guidance. It was hard for me to write this, not only because it's so personal, but because pregnancy, there's so, I mean, no two pregnancies are alike. No, one person doesn't, I'm sure your pregnancy now is totally different yeah. than the first one. Or it's very, way harder. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. The second one. Absolutely. Are you kidding? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was hard for me to go back because The whole topic of new motherhood and pregnancy is so sensitive and it's so personal and you have to, you, it's not like a one size fits all, you know, like parts of this book, some people are going to hate parts of the things that I discuss and the choices I made. And then on, you know, the next chapter, they might say, oh my gosh, right on. That is exactly how I believe that is exactly what I want to try. So Going back it was hard. It was a little hard to remember, first of all, but it was a good thing I had my, I consulted my own blog right. back in the archives a lot. And I was like, yeah, but it was, it was very, I, I hate to use the word therapeutic because I, I don't want to get so, you know, like, who's Zulu voodoo back, mm-hmm. but it was very therapeutic to go back and remember and reread the things that I felt when I was there and what I feel now with a clearer perspective, it was that whole 2020 is, mm-hmm. you know, 2020 is magic type of a thing. And it, it's, it, you'll find this too. When you, and you might even know this, you know, now, cause your daughter's three, just an example, like perspective of when you have the newborn, you feel like you're so exhausted you're taking care of that newborn, you're feeding that newborn, you're swaddling, you're trying to get them to sleep, you're trying to get on the schedule, you know, you're trying to get your life organized. Yet, And at the same time, you just feel like you can't take a shower. I can't do this. I can't walk into the other room. I can't. 
And now, years later, like in the position I am now、mm-hmm. with older kids, I look back to those newborn days and I'm like, hey, hey, why, did, what, wh- why couldn't I take a shower? The child doesn't move. They can't go walking into the other room and get into trouble. A newborn, if you put the newborn in the thing, bouncer. Yeah. you can take a shower. You have plenty of time. They're not going to go anywhere. And it was, it was like that perspective where every mother will look back and say, Why didn't I feel like I had time to take a right. shower? Right. But I think part of it is well, some children cry all the time, yes, right? And yes, so then、yes. they have to be cured. But some of it is we have these blinders on. And I don't know if it's hormonal, I don't know if it's because we're shut ins. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to look back and be like, oh, I think it's just because we're so physically exhausted and we don't have the brain power because we're tired from carrying them all the time. We're tired if we're nursing,、mm-hmm. that's so depleting. Then you've got sleep deprivation, and then you're only seeing people like once a day, maybe.、Right. So, <laughs> or less. Or less. <laughs> and so it's like everything is warped. And、mm-hmm. it is really refreshing to be able to read your book and be like, oh, yeah, no, like if your kid's not crying, the, the kid can be in a bouncer, like、yeah. on the bathroom floor while I、right. take my shower. Because、like, if they're not、possible. crying, they're, they're, they're okay. They're okay. And as the, especially me, like the brand new, you know, as a brand, brand, brand new mom who never held a baby, like, you know,、mm-hmm. I, I'd, see, I'd have her and then I'd put her in the chair and then I'd sit there and I'd look at her. And I mean, she was totally content. She was fed, she was happy. She just, She just had her eyes, you know, she'd look around、mm-hmm. and I would think, I need to stay right here. No, it, you can walk in the other room. They're okay. Right. Right. <laughs> and I also love that you share、uh, this is a quote from your book Understand the maintenance years. Until your youngest child is four years old, you are in the manual labor phase of parenting. Yes. And I have to give total, total, total credit to, I don't know if you've met her or know her, but she lives here in Los Angeles. She's from New York. Uh, she's a mom of three, very smart speaker, businesswoman, and she's an author, multi New York Times bestselling author. Her name is Samantha Edis. And she's the hi, Sam, if you're listening, you know that. Oh, I love Samantha. Those are her words of wisdom、okay. that I heard. You know, she, I heard her speak. I, I know her personally, but I've seen her speak many places. And when she、uh, was talking about these maintenance years, it just. Clicked because it's true. We think, and another thing, like with bounce back, a lot of people think, oh, you got to get right back into the workforce. You got to get right back into your life. You got to get right back into exercising and do, you know, do. And the maintenance years, the, the only job, and Samantha says it's the only job for like a new mother is to just keep your career or your job or your work or, you know, your regular, keep everything like a toe in at arm's length. So it's there. You can touch it. You keep your connections warm. But Those are the maintenance years because until that baby sort of gets、mm-hmm. to be, I mean, you know, as self sufficient as a four or five year old can be. School age. Yeah, school age. That's,、uh, you're not going to be able to do these big leaps and bounds in your career if you are, you know, taking, doing the manual labor of baby and toddler. Because you made the choice to stay at home with your girls、uh, without regular help. How did you change your mindset so that when you did have freelance work or you share about you know, flying to New York to do interviews for CNN because you're up for this huge job, how are you able to shift gears? Because that's really tricky. 
It is. To be the stay-at-home mom, you know, doing stuff on the side during nap time or after bed, and then you get some big opportunity and you're scrambling for childcare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to to be able to um, not let that throw you off your balance is pretty impressive. And I know a lot of moms are freelancers, especially in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. um, or a lot of friends that are actors. And, you know, they've got days and days where there's nothing coming up, and then they get that audition and they have to scramble to get childcare. How can you um, – how were you able to shift those gears so that you were able to stay present and focused on the job? When it's like – it's crazy. It's like a total 180. Yes, 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 yes. One total 180. It, I uh, – well, I'll talk about the childcare thing. I was lucky – when I flew to New York, I was lucky that my mom was – my mom lives um, in Fresno. My parents live in Fresno. That's where I was born and raised. And so I was lucky that she was able to drive down and stay those few days with me. Uh, the childcare thing – and. I, and you mentioned childcare. I'm actually in a little predicament for tomorrow. So to be determined, we'll see if I find childcare for where I'm supposed to be tomorrow. But it's always, a, it's a challenge. And I mean, one of the things was, I, I feel like I didn't really have any choice because I, the reality is, even if you, you know, we weren't, we could, I mean, you know, my husband and I, we were, we were not in a position to hire someone for, you know, two or three days a week just to have around, um, you know, financially, we weren't just going to, we weren't going to pay for someone to be there when I didn't necessarily need them to be there. So I found myself finding all of these sitters and like putting them on, you know, like keeping my own roster, mm-hmm. like, okay, we're going to contact. So, you know, it's like you sort of prepare for when you need something ahead of time mm-hmm. so that when it comes up, you just go down this roster and you text five people and mm-hmm. see what happens. And they're already, you know, you already know who they are. You know that they work with your child and all that. You kind of have them in the, what's it, what's it called? You have them in the armada waiting (laughs) to come. Um, But I think, I think I was able to cope because I just didn't have another choice. It was Mm -hmm. sort of that, okay, this is how it's going to be. You just have to survive and thrive. And I mean, I'm lucky that I was able, you know, that I was able to hire a sitter when I needed to. And but you have to prepare and think ahead so that you have a go-to list mm-hmm. um, for when you need it. And, I mean, as far as, like, even in L.A., like, here, com- commercial actresses who get, mm-hmm. I mean, called in, I I will never know how they do that. That's yeah, I quit. Uh, uh, yeah. I quit. Well, because it's too much. It you can't mentally. Yeah. How can you do that? And, the, I mean, as far I, as— I'm not great at shifting gears, no, folks, and I'm finally coming to you terms just with have it. To, you, know, you know what you have to do, honestly? I And it's it's a learned skill. And I think I've become good at it because I've had to, but you just really have to commit to, uh, you know, the whole mindfulness, you know, Mm -hmm. mindful, only concentrate on what you're doing when you're doing it. And something that works for me that I learned, I guess, I think it was like from even working in live TV, when you're live on air Mm -hmm. on television, that is the only and most important thing ever in the entire universe. It is the most important thing that you were doing right then and there, and you can't even think about anything else because it's the most important thing. And you have to think of it that way, even though it's not true. There's more important things than what you, no, but you do for the but focus. You have to for the focus. You have to. Is That's it, I mean, tricky. It's, it's it's hard when you. I still I fail at it. I haven't mastered it, but I think I've gotten better. Are you? How do you handle? 
Your daughter's waking up in the middle of the night. Oh, it's awful. And you've got to be on camera the next morning. Like how cuz it just like riles me up. It's awful. Isn't when, it when, awful? In the yeah. past when I've experienced yeah. that because suddenly the stakes at home feel so much higher because I've got this other thing and I don't want it to get screwed up. Mhm. Yeah. It's I, no, I am still struggling with it. And I'll tell you that's one of the that's one of the reasons in, in the book, I have this whole thing about swaddling and scheduling, and you make sure – it's like, you know, you give the golden advice, and then you yourself are trying to still figure it out. I say get the sleep as much as you can. And each kid is different. We know that. Mm-hmm. Some babies don't like sleep. Some babies sleep no problem. But as much as you can, get the whole sleep thing under control as earlier as early as you can. Like a lot of people say four months, five months is the <clears throat> sleep Sabrina training three. Thing. Yeah. yeah, three yeah. months. Yeah, but get it under control because, you know, all sorts of stuff is going to come flying at you right. later. Um, my oldest one, best sleeper ever, no problem. No problems to this day. My younger one, who is five, still wakes up in the mid. She's never liked sleep. She still wakes up in mm-hmm. the middle of the night, walks in, mama. And I'm like, oh, you know. And I, I, every night is different. Some night right now, I am live on air Friday mornings um, for CBS because I do these Friday morning Fab Mom segments. I got to wake up at 4 a.m. and I got to be there like by 530. And I mean, you know, but Thursday nights, sometimes it's like four hours of sleep, if (sighs) that. And it's, you know, it's interrupted sleep. And you just kind of have to go with it. And I don't know what else to say. Just do what works for you. I drink coffee. If I have to drink a Diet Coke in the morning at 5 a.m., I do. It's awful. And it's not the most zen, healthy thing. But you just have to do just day to day. That's the only way I can mm-hmm. think about it. And I'm trying to get her to sleep. I mean, it's like we're trying everything. And I'm strict at home. Like, I'm not this type. But sometimes <laughs> I'm like... Last Sometimes night, I'm like, eh, just get in bed. I don't care. Right. Like, it just, it's. Last night I, I did the dishes because of your book. <laughs> but did you, let me tell you, did you wake up feeling, yeah. now, you, now if yeah. you say no, it didn't make a difference. Like, yeah. <laughs> but you wake up feeling better, right? Yeah, but slightly more resentful that Adam had left a plate out after I had finished. Oh. So that's, that's the downside <laughs> of starting to care about these things. <laughs> yes. And my husband, and I don't want to give anyone the false impression, like, trust me. If you were to walk into my house, ain't, ain't nothing perfect, okay? Like, trust me. There but is- one of your life hacks is do the dishes before bed. Yes. And also, uh, moms that are in the postpartum mess, mm-hmm. just ignore what we just said. Yes. This is for everybody else, okay? <laughs> just is- know, anatomic moms, like, if you're in a phase of life where this doesn't apply, just know we've got your back and it's totally cool. Oh, and, that's, and, and that we're not talking to you. You can just be like, oh, she's talking to those people that have like 10-year-olds. Right. And I'll revisit. I'll remember this and revisit it later. Right. Right. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) And you don't even have to. No, that's true. But It's uh, it's true. So, yes, washing the dishes last night, it did help with today. There were other reasons this morning was a struggle, but dishes wasn't one of them. But that was one less thing. One less thing. I know. I want to talk to you about the F-bomb. Mmm. Uh, because that's one word that we hear so often mm-hmm. on Atomic Moms and on the Facebook groups that I'm a part of. Failure, 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 failure. Parent fail. Parent Mom fail. fail. 
Mom fail. I've got some <laughs> funny mom fails. And when we can laugh about them, they're great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, God, feeling like a failure is something that comes up again and again for mothers. You don't really hear dads talk about that. Um, and one sort of controversial moment in your book, I would say, uh, is about giving birth. And um, and there are a lot of moms that I've spoken to that did not have the birth experience they were hoping for, and the F-bomb comes up a lot for them. And so I guess can you sort of talk about your birth experience mm-hmm. and, and how you were able to uh, step aside from the F-bomb? <laughs> so, so, yeah, the F-bomb fail. And it's – I put that – fail word in the book because I I think the first year, well, you know, the first year of motherhood, there's, it's just, everything is on high alert and you're going through so many lifestyle changes, emotional changes. And that no new mother ever needs to think of herself as a look, oh, I failed at this. I failed at this. Just get like, that's something that I say, new moms don't say, don't Mm -hmm. just don't say. And, um, for the birth experience, so uh, aside from being petrified of becoming a mother, I was also petrified of the birth experience. Like, so scared. How's it going to come out? We all know how it comes out. <laughs> There's a couple options. So scared. So scared. And I, um, it's funny because I don't, I, I'm the type where I, I mean, don't get me wrong. If I have a headache, I'll take a Tylenol. I'll take an Advil. But I'm the type that will wait and wait and wait and wait to take the Advil to see if the headache goes away on its own. Like, I've never been like, oh, I don't need to take anything. I don't need to take a pill. I don't need to take anything. So I was not progressing at all. Like, I before having my first daughter, my OB, I would go into my final appointments and she'd say, so any contractions, water break, you dilated, nothing, 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 nothing. I was overdue by, I think, a little bit more than a week. Mm-hmm. And finally, she called me and she said, all right, we got to get this baby. And I was like, no, 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 can we just, we just wait? Can we just wait? You know? And in retrospect now, I think, I'm not a scientist, but I think my fear over pregnancy, motherhood, childbirth, I think was affecting my body in a way where... Mm-hmm. I, it was not happening naturally, right? Mm-hmm. So we went to the famous spot in L.A. where you can get the salad with the dressing that supposedly puts you into labor. It totally didn't work. I, there's a gross story in there about yeah. what I found in my salad. <laughs> I, you know, it's totally funny. Yeah, get the book. But, yeah. But um, eventually, you know, at the hospital, we went, and I didn't want to do the Pitocin drip, and I didn't want to do anything. Well, we ended up doing that. And then I wasn't progressing, and and then we waited and waited and waited, and we're waiting for something to happen down there, and it's not happening. And and then finally, after I mean hours and hours, and it was like the following day, my my doctor comes in and goes, "Okay, how do you feel about a C-section?" And I was like, "Fine, sure, great, fine, you know, totally, just get the baby out, get the baby out, because her heart rate was going up mm-hmm. and down, and at the, t- you know, it was like, turns out the cord was wrapped around her neck, so yeah, we got to get this baby out. <laughs> so you just, at some point, and this is another thing I call momming up, at some point, even though, and I'm a big believer in like, stick to what you believe, stick to your gut. If you feel something's not right, you do what you want. You, you know, you, you, you handle things in a way that is going to be best for you. Mm-hmm. And you, but 
that was the breaking point where it was like, okay, it does not matter how this baby is born. Like we just need to get this baby out in a healthy way. So the C-section was the answer. And the, I mean, you know, it's like I went through this whole weird thing that I wasn't expecting, but in the end it was the right thing to do. So at some point, you know, you got to let go and think it's not a failure if the outcome is a healthy baby. It's not a failure if the outcome is, a, you know, emotionally and mentally sound mother. It's not mm-hmm. a failure, even though it might not be the way you intended. Mm-hmm. And you and you give some great advice about, you know, listen to what your doctor says. When I was reading it, because it's funny, you are the person who doesn't want to take Advil unless <laughs> yes. it's absolutely necessary. I'm the person who used to take a Vicodin to get a bikini wax. Oh! Like, I'm <laughs> very pro-drugs. Uh, and I had a natural birth. And um, what I would say to listeners is tap into that fear that you're talking about early on. Uh, One thing that has been very, very helpful for me is my girlfriend, Sarah Heffron, who was the first girlfriend I had who had a natural birth. She would listen to uh, this hypnobirthing thing. Listening to that every night was so helpful because it's this crazy mantra thing. And and it ties into what you're saying about be careful what you put in your brain. Mm-hmm. Don't put the word failure in your brain. Instead, I would sort of put in my brain and fall asleep to, you know, my baby will come when it's right for my baby. Oh my, my I trust gosh. my body to yeah. do what's best. And, and for those mothers that have had C-sections, um, I would say we had a great guest on through my co-founder, Bianca Kylik, um, Sadas Simran. We should find that old episode. I haven't listened to it in the two years since we recorded it. But she had a really, really, really important point about the fact that your baby is choosing the birth for itself. So, like, you can't judge the mm-hmm. C-section because maybe that's the birth that the ba- – that's the journey the baby needed to go on. Oh, um, I'm getting all, like, weird mommy. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah. Uh, I have no idea how this one will go, but I'm trying to keep an open mind. I, I would also say that trust what your doctor says, but be super educated, everybody. Yes. I just read this article in the New York Times about – uh, patient care, and it was, um, I think it was an oncologist who said a lot of times patients just nod their heads and they have no idea what we're saying. And we should probably give them a quiz to find out if they actually know what they're signing up for. Um, but we don't, and we just kind of take the easiest path sometimes. Um, and so when I went to Cedars uh, after my water broke, uh, the nurse wanted to check me immediately. She wanted to see how far along I was. And if I hadn't already read up on it, I would have let her check me. And when they check you to see how far along you are, that automatically puts you on the clock. Um, because That's after a certain number of hours, then it becomes this risk of infection because they've checked, mm-hmm. because they've gone inside yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was able to say, no, I'm not having the baby yet. Like, we don't need to check. And also I felt confident because I was like, I was in the hospital. Like, if the baby was going to fall out, they would all yeah. be there. <laughs> so I really pushed it off. Um, so know your rights. Have, if you are attempting a natural birth, have a doula there um, who can have your back. And if you are if you're not interested in natural, and believe me, again, I used to take Vicodin to get bikini waxes. <laughs> I, 
And you know what? I don't know about this birth. We'll see. I feel like I did the amazing race once. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't that was, when you said that right now, my jaw dropped. Oh my God. And it was incredible, it. but it was, wow. uh, I was definitely in training for it. And, and I also need to be in training this time to, uh, accept whatever the outcome may be and not to compare it to the first experience. That's a biggie. Which is hard because Sabrina was born on September 11th and she was two weeks early and no one was in the hospital because everyone had planned their C-sections at Cedars for the day after or the day before because no one wants to have a September 11th baby oh if they can help it. <laughs> and so they put us in this first room and it had this tiny little tub and my doula, I sent a picture to her and she was like, you should ask if they've got a bigger tub. Um and, so, and I was thinking like, but you're the hippie and you're telling me to get better, like ask for better. It's like when I check into a hotel and I never let my husband unpack. The sheets aren't really that soft. And I learned this from my father and it's probably like one of my worst habits is we'll get to a hotel and I automatically always want to change rooms. And there's always a better room, folks. But, yeah. That's and, so funny. and I was like, I was really trying to be in this hippy dippy space. And I was like, great. Now I'm asking for an upgrade at the hospital. This is ruins the whole vibe. But by the way, got the upgrade because no one's at the hospital. And I swear I like gave birth in Kim Kardashian suite because it was have. enormous. Uh, and the best tub ever. So I'm just like, <laughs> so funny. what other horrible day can I give birth to this one on so that the uh-huh. hospital will be empty and I can have like a great space? Oh, that's so funny. Um, I think September 11th is probably uh, that one wins. That, I don't think wow. there'll be another. <laughs> that's no an one. amazing story. Yeah. Well, thanks. There was a lot more to it. We went to In-N-Out Burger beforehand. Anyway, um, so uh, so know your rights. And yes, listen to your doctor. And here's uh, – we're running out of time, but I want to talk about uh, breastfeeding mm-hmm. because this also ties into the whole F-bomb failure thing. That's another topic that a lot of moms have shame about. Uh, and I nursed for a year. Um, I started formula. I didn't start – I didn't even like open a thing of formula until Sabrina was 10 months old maybe, maybe 11 months old because I was trying to start weaning. Um and when I opened it, I was like, are you – and I, like, shook the powder. I was like, this is a gateway drug. I was like, I'm so <laughs> glad that I didn't do this until month 10 because I was like, are you kidding me? This is so easy. Are you kidding me? It's so, it's like – yeah, I hate to say shamefully easy because I don't have any shame about it, yeah. but it is easy. It's and so easy. It and so is. you you started – off. I started you did eight off. days. I did eight days of pumping. Here, here's the thing. Again, with the fear, I should have named this book. Well, Fab, focused after babies. Fear after baby. I mean, yeah. it's all name your F word, and it's F after babies. <laughs> <laughs> well, that could but be another whole, episode too. I know, right? No, the whole after baby. Yeah, the whole thing <laughs> for first time pregnancy with me. I wrote this book addressing the fear, and one of the things was, you know. Fear of everything new motherhood and fear of breastfeeding was one of them. And I don't know why, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, it's maybe it's just immature. Maybe I have like a weird thing about my boobs. I have no idea what was behind it, but I was so scared and I could not picture myself breastfeeding. And I, I mean, you know, my mom in the seventies, like everyone formula, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people breastfed too, but like in the seventies, everyone was like no, formula 80s, fed, no problem. Formula. Yeah. So I was formula fed. And so I never thought twice about. You're like, I'm fabulous. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Ain't nothing. I mean, nothing. It's not too much wrong with me. I'm okay. 
So from the beginning, I just thought, never mind, I'm just I'm going to formula feed because that's going to be something that at least I won't have fear over that. Mm -hmm. And that's one less thing for me to be scared of. I might be scared that I'm going to break the baby, but I won't be scared about feeding her because Mm -hmm. I know, you know, it'll be okay. So, um, and that was one of the things that I did not listen to my doctor about there, you know, yeah, we, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of things here in the book and I'm honest about it, really honest about everything. But, um, I st- I pumped for eight days. And the, the thing was, is that I wanted to like try to, you know, try, let's see what we can do. Let's mm-hmm. see what we can do. And, um, it's like, I would make like maybe a half an inch mm-hmm. of milk, maybe. Mm-hmm. And so regardless, I had to, had to supplement. supplement anyways. Yeah. So, you know, and it was very, very easy. And I'll tell you, the first out of all of my friends, uh, the the formula feeding for me helped me get a hold of my fear, helped me conquer that, helped me feel more confident as a mother. Like, okay, I'm feeding my baby and her belly's getting filled and she's growing. And, you know, all of that was good. And, um, you know, it's like, and then the funny part, you know, the funny parts is, and my nipples didn't bleed, <laughs> you know, like right. all the other, the well, other and baloney stuff. But, go, well, cause I'm so scared yeah. about the next one. You're like, oh man, you're like on the clock. You're you on leave. the clock. Yes. Like I won't be able to go. I keep thinking about like, I won't be able to go west of La Cienega. Right. For like the first, however many no, I, months that I'm nursing. that's the thing. That's the And I want to be very clear. I'm he, let me say this on the record and I say it in the book too. Breast milk is best. It is. It's a living food. I, you know, I'm much more mm-hmm. educated now than mm-hmm. I was back then. It is a living food that you cannot replicate. I mean, you know, the science that you can't you, mm-hmm. it doesn't compare. However, formula is not poison. Right. <laughs> so, it's important and if, you know, I would say moms if you're having a really hard time, and there are so many mothers that have a difficult time with this, mm-hmm. like reach out to uh, lactation consultants. There are ones that will do it over on yes. the phone. It, there are sometimes tricks that, you know, or with your second child, you might have a different experience and there might be new issues or you might have forgotten something or your body's different. Mm-hmm. And so reach out to a lactation consultant, reach out to other moms. There usually is a way to make it work. And then this is where I think your book is so important for you to give us the confidence and to know that you have our back if we decide this isn't worth it. Because I do see a lot of moms go down a dark path. Um, They're not able to really figure it out, but then they continue to be like a mommy martyr. Yeah. And it can totally, totally derail your life totally derail it's the whole thing of i don't know what to do nothing's working nothing's working nothing's working but i want to keep doing it Mm -hmm. no Mm it's not going to work the object of the game is to get the baby fed so they can grow so that their bellies fill and they burp and they get all nice and pudgy and wedgy you know Mm -hmm. like that's the object of the game and if for whatever reason the nursing's not working then i hate to use the f word but unfortunately that is a fail if you don't make the choice to do what is going to, you know, in the big picture. Mm -hmm. And hormonally, I will say that with the next one, I'm going to be much more aware of the fact that, you know, eh, weaning was way harder than I thought it would be. And it took my body way longer than I thought it would to have my hormones, like, recalibrate themselves Mm -hmm. to feel normal again. Wow. 
Uh, and the the plus side of breastfeeding for me was like I've been flat chested my whole life, and finally I was like, <laughs> oh, finally, like because I was able to produce so much milk, wow. and I was like, yes, Here I just got I made am. fun of for so many years, and this is their like moment of glory. <laughs> I, as a fellow flat-chested, I yeah. please, I hear you. Oh, yes. And I the nurse you. in the hospital is the <laughs> only time my chest has ever been complimented was in the, when the nurse goes, you've got great nipples. Oh, and I was stop. like, thank you. Now's my time to shine. <laughs> Now's my time to shine. And as my longtime listeners know, I probably nursed for that whole year because uh, – Sabrina, you know, September birthday. So I wanted to make it through the summer with one summer of cleavage. Bikini <laughs> moment. <laughs> one summer of cleavage. I'm dying. I'm like crying right amazing. now. That's hysterical. It was hilarious. so good. It was so good. So uh, in closing, I want to end on a really fun note, which is you talk about take your kids to like little beauty treatments. Can you just like give a plug for that concept? Okay. So not I, I talk about how I took my nine-month-old to a pedicure, not for her to get a pedicure, but for me to get a pedicure. And I've done this with my toddlers when I've had to get a haircut. Mm-hmm. The object of the game is to for them not to, you know, you, you're not taking them so that they're in the beauty salon right. and they're getting pampered. That's not the object. The object of the game is to take them so for two reasons. So they can learn how to wait Yes. How to entertain themselves. I mean, even if yeah. it's with the, you know, with a video or with coloring or, you know, now my mm-hmm. girls will take their little notebooks and they'll draw pictures. Aww. Even if it's for the baby to learn how to exist mm-hmm. when it's not all about them. I mean, with brilliant. I shouldn't say babies. No. I should say more toddlers. No, it's hard, that's but, brilliant. And so, to learn how to exist in your world on yes. occasion. Yes, on real occasion. good. That's, yes, that's the object. And then the other object of the game is I used it as a, like when I took my nine month old and sat her on my lap to get my uh-huh. toes done for the first time after having that first baby, it was sort of like a pat on my own back, like, hey, good job, me. Look at I pulled it off. Good job, me. Good job, you. You know? <laughs> so the day we saw each other last week because we were both shooting this super, super fun thing for Babel, which is Disney's parenting site. Uh, I will be sharing that online. You were Cleopatra. Yes. And I was Lucretia Mott. Uh, it was for Women's History Month, and it was such a fabulous project. And so the day before, I panicked because I really, really needed an eyebrow wax. <laughs> and so I picked Sabrina up from school, and I took her with me for the first time ever. And I was kind of nervous because you're laying on a table, and there's hot wax. Oh, and man. I've got this three-and-a-half-year-old who's very vivacious. Um, I bought, brought her these little, like, tiny animals um, to play with, and she was fascinated. But the best part was she, she goes, Mommy, why are you getting an eyebrow wax? And I was like, well, you know, just to, like, clean up the hair around here. And you don't need it. Your eyebrows are perfect. And she goes, oh, you need it because you can't see out of your eyes with your eyebrow yeah. hair. <laughs> You can't see. That's brave. And I was like, wax is another level. I give you credit. Yeah, that's like a whole I mean, new level whole, of yeah. like wacko mom. But it was funny because <laughs> she was. She thought it was because I couldn't see well with my eyebrow hair over my eyes. And I was like, they're not that bad, Sabrina. <laughs> that's so cute. But also, I think it's because she's probably heard girlfriends at school talk about getting their eye, um, getting their bangs trimmed mm-hmm. so they can see. And oh, so that yeah. was just like her logic. Oh, that's so cute. Uh, and also the esthetician was like, um, eyebrows and? I'm like, no, just eyebrows. No. Like, 
not getting a bikini wax with my daughter. <laughs> my daughter. And also, I'm just not getting yeah, a bikini wax. I don't wax recommend period. that personally. But I'm yeah. really tough after pregnancy. Like, I feel yeah. like there's, I think it hurt too much right now. You don't need that. Why? Yeah, you don't need that. Yeah, why? I can be fabulous after. Yes. That's yes. the whole point of your book. Be fabulous after a <laughs> baby. I gotta have, I gotta really set the bar low now, so I have less to bounce back from. You go, oh, you've already bounced. You're <laughs> bouncing all the way down. That please give me a break. <laughs> um, I did go to Soul Cycle this morning. I'm really proud of myself. <laughs> That's good, uh, Jill. Thank you so much for coming on Atomic Moms. Okay, where can all of our listeners find you? Thank you. This has been so much fun. I can't even tell you. Uh, you can find me at my website, the thefabmom.com. And I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at my name, Jill Simonian. And I have a Facebook page too. But um, And then you can get the book on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Perfect. Everyone read it and also share it. And it's a great, great, great baby shower gift for real. And then they'll read it after the baby shower and they'll be like, oh, why did I register for all the stuff that Jill told me I don't need to get? Uh-huh. And then you can return it all and just save the credit for when you figure out what you actually need. It's true. Boom. All right, everybody, until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms. 